Welcome to the Pain Face Productions Network, featuring Josh Cook, Matt Zen, and Brian Conn. Hi everyone, this is Josh from Pain Face Productions with a message about this week's episode. This week, while recording Millennium Talkin', we had some technical issues that resulted in some quality issues in our episode. Some of the parts of this episode of Millennium Talkin' had to be re-recorded later, and we just want you to know that if you notice quality differences, it's not the device you're listening to us on that's causing those issues. It's the fact that this episode has been re-recorded in certain parts. However, we are proud to release this episode of Millennium Talkin' in its entirety. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to Millennium Talkin', a Star Wars discussion with Josh Cook and Matt Zen from Pain Face Productions. This is a loose and free-form discussion about the Star Wars universe. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to Millennium Talking. I'm Josh Cook, and I'm here with Matt Zapp. Hello. Thank you for coming, Matt. Sure. So, today, this is the Legends edition of Millennium Talking. If you listen to last week's episode, you'll know the canon edition starts off with talking about the new Star Wars comic. Yes. The Legends edition is going to start off with talking about an episode of The Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt hasn't watched The Clone Wars, but I'm hoping after describing a couple of the episodes, he might get hooked. Anything's possible. So, today we're talking about the first chronological Clone Wars episode to happen. It's titled Cat and Mouse. It was Season 2, Episode 16. This episode is one of my personal favorite episodes of the Clone Wars series. The basic plot is that Anakin has to somehow get supplies through the Separatist blockade around the planet to Obail Organa. Now... The blockade is run by this weird-looking guy named Admiral Trench. And I really like this villain. He's like an insectoid. He has six arms, and he has a little weird command baton, just like the original Admiral Ackbar figure. Good name. I like the... That's a good villain. Admiral Trench. Admiral Trench. Yes. I was going to print out a picture and show it to Matt, but... Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> I could pull it up, but Matt would just groan. So. Now, before I move on into the story, I want to say that I really enjoy the voice they gave Admiral Trench. And it's very clicky, and it all sounds like a cross between one of the Nemoidians and Poggle the Lesser. So uh, I'm going to play a sample of it, and we're going to hear exactly what he sounds like, but I really enjoy this voice. Fire all forward cannons! Cut off those Republic supply ships. Separate them from their escort cruisers. I smell fear. And it smells good. 
Now, they're really wondering, how the hell are we going to get through this blockade? Sure. So they decide the only way to get through this blockade is using a prototype cloaked ship that the Republic has. Usually, I don't like cloaked ships in Star Wars because it's something from Star Trek, but this really worked well. So the plan is that Anakin is going to take this cloaked ship through the blockade and get the supplies down to the planet. Now, the main space character, if you can say that, is Admiral Yularen. And he does appear in Episode 4, but on the in the Clone Wars series, he's fighting for the Republic. Turns out Admiral Yularen knows Admiral Trench from a battle when he was a cadet. And I have another clip here that explains how Admiral Yularen knows Admiral Trench. Thank you for waiting, sir. I'm sorry to hold you up. No apologies, Admiral. What have you got? Something about this morning's engagement struck me as familiar. So I did a bit of research. And? I believe the opposing commander is none other than Admiral Trench. If I remember my military history, wasn't he vaporized at the Battle of Malastare and Arrows? That's what I thought, too. But the tactics employed, the efficiency of the droids' maneuvers, and then there's this. The last time I saw that symbol, well, let's just say I lost a lot of good men that day. What do I need to know? I have seen his work firsthand. A corporate fleet was blockading Malastare. A fleet led by Trench. That's why I recognize the tactics. He tore our ships apart. We barely escaped with our lives. In the end, a Jedi-led task force moved in to settle the matter. Trench's ship was destroyed. And we assumed he went down with it. Hmm. Are you sure it's him? It's possible. Not every captain goes down with his ship. Well, we may be in luck then, Admiral. My orders are not to engage Trench, just to deliver supplies to Senator Organa. With all due respect, General, I do not believe we will have a choice in the matter. If it is indeed Trench, he will come for us. Us? Yes. I am volunteering my services as consultant, General. Welcome aboard. So with Admiral Yularen on board, Anakin takes the ship out of the hangar and activates the cloaking shield. They get to the blockade, and it appears that the cloaking shield is working. They get real close to one of the frigates, and they fly right by it without any problem. So it seems like everything's going to work out. Then we flash to Admiral Trench aboard his ship. Trench doesn't know why the Republic isn't attacking, and he kind of gets tired of waiting, he gets irritated, and he sends the bombers down to the planet to try and wipe out the opposition in hopes that that'll draw the Republic out of hiding and get their fleet to attack his. So the bombers fly off to the planet, and they fly right past Anakin in the cloaked ship, and there's a really tense moment where they think, oh, they're coming for us, but they can't see us, so they don't know. They end up staying cloaked, and the bombers fly right past them, but they end up bombing the planet. And this brings us to my favorite part of the episode. Um, Bail Organa contacts Obi-Wan Kenobi and says, hey, hey, you gotta, you gotta get down here. We're, we're, we can't hold out much longer. 
And the message ends in a familiar way, which I will uh, put in a soundbite of that here. Help us, Obi-Wan realizes that he has to do something about Admiral Trench. So he contacts Anakin and says, you go down to the planet and get those supplies down there. I'll take care of him. And Anakin pretty much disobeys him and decides that he's going to attack the capital ship uh, anyways and just ignore Obi-Wan's orders. So Anakin disengages the cloaking device and... We cut to a shot of Admiral Trench in probably the best visual image in the Clone Wars that I can remember out of all the episodes. And I will put this picture on our Facebook page when Admiral Trench uh, opens all of his eyes really wide and says, There, a cloak ship! Anakin fires the torpedoes at unsuspecting Admiral Trench, and they fly off towards the bridge, and that's where I'm going to stop. I do recommend you go watch this episode, and that's why I'm stopping the review here, because I'm hoping you'll want to see how it ends, and you'll check it out instead of just going to, you know, the Wikipedia page and reading it. I highly recommend this episode. It's a really good episode. Um, like I say, I don't want to spoil the ending if you haven't seen it, Go and see it. If you haven't checked out The Clone Wars, even just go watch this one to get a feel, you know, what it's like, what it's about. Um, and like I say, it's, it's a fun episode, so. Cool. Well, thanks for that analysis, Josh. You're welcome. Now, that brings us to Lego Talk. Last week, I reviewed my Millennium Falcon. And this week, Josh is going to review one of his favorite sets. Josh, take it away. That is true. This week, I will be reviewing Final Duel 2. The number is 7201. Good number. So, it's a pretty simple set. It's half of a two-part set put up by LEGO. And the two parts are Final Duel 1 and Final Duel 2. And together, they kind of form the lightsaber battle you see at the end of Return of the Jedi. The Final Duel 1, half of it is kind of the throne room area, and the Final Duel 2, half of it is kind of the, the, like the stairs they're battling on, and the place where he's just, Luke's just hitting Vader with the lightsaber mindlessly before cutting his hand off. What I really like about this set is that it's simple. It's just the platform itself and the railings on it and the entryway. It's not too small, but it's also not too large that it's hard to display like some of the newer LEGO sets are. But it's not too small that you can't like display the action figures, the minifigures, in different ways. It comes with three minifigures. It comes with Luke, obviously. And one thing I like about the Luke figure is that it has the the yellow flesh-colored hand, but it also has the black uh, gloved hand uh, that he has his mechanical hand under. It comes with a stormtrooper, which is just a standard stormtrooper, and it comes with an imperial officer who's smiling, which I always get a kick out of. When I got the set, I got it together. I got Final Duel 1 and Final Duel 2, both. I remember, I have a vivid recollection of getting these for Christmas, and I remember both boxes being the exact same size. 
So I, I figured they were Lego sets. And as soon as I picked it up and heard the rattling, I knew. Um, but yeah, they go together really well. And they're, like I say, they're not too big to display. And they're not too small that you can't do anything with them. And together they form a really nice set. Um, one other thing I really like about this set is the Luke Skywalker, uh, the torso piece of it has the, uh, has the black robes, but it has the white on it instead of, they don't have the white triangle that, that comes loose during the fight, but they do have white lines running down the robe, which I thought was a nice touch, so, um, that's really it. It's, uh, you can pick this set up pretty cheap on eBay. I'm not going to dictate what a reasonable price is for you, but I think, uh, I think if you can get one for under $20, it's a pretty good buy. Thanks, Josh. I just have a question. I see the Luke character has a lightsaber, like you mentioned, and it has kind of, it's like a silver hilt, which I think is cool. Because now it's, now it's like a, a gray, a gray hilt. Yeah, like these are, piece. for the first up until like 2004, these are how all the lightsabers were. Yeah, I like that one better. I like that one better too, but for cost reasons, Lego has stopped producing the good lightsabers and yeah. gone to a gray, maybe with a silver finish on some. It's probably lead paint, that's why they stopped doing <laughs> Maybe that explains, because I used to chew on Legos. Wow, we found it. <laughs> I found it. Repeat. I found, I found it. it. <laughs> okay, Han Solo. I that wasn't Han Solo that said that. God. Okay, Zev Sonesco. Thanks again, Josh. And we'll be back after this message. You can find Pain Face Productions content in a variety of places. The main place where you can find our content is on SoundCloud, where it's free to listen to and download all of our podcasts. You can also find all of our podcasts on Facebook under the page Pain Face Productions, on Tumblr under the tag Pain Face Productions, and on iTunes by searching Pain Face Productions in the podcast app. And we're back. Now... It's time for the Legends Book Club. Da, 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 da. Today, I will be reviewing the book Vector Prime by R.A. Salvatore. Good name. <laughs> I think some people will wonder why I chose this book. And there's a reason, because I didn't feel right starting in the prequel era... And I didn't want to do a trilogy, because I'm going to be doing trilogies and special episodes where we just talk about the book. Yeah. And I felt the New Jedi Order was a good place to start, because a lot of people don't know, they know of the New Jedi Order, but they don't really know what happens in it. So I'm going to be going through them. This is the first book in the series, and I'm surprised I liked it as much as I did, because I generally don't like sad things. And this book was a little sad. The book starts out with some scientists on a moon called Belkaton. And they're searching for life outside the galaxy and they see something coming inbound. And you discover the characters on this station and then you realize one of these guys is really weird and something's not right with him. 
So then they start having communications issues and they can't reach anyone to call for help. I like this. This is good. I like this. And they also can't call out to get scientists out because they see something coming into the galaxy. Okay. Something big. And they're watching from their telescopes and it collides with another moon. And then the book flashes to what they thought was the asteroid, but is really a ship from another galaxy carrying aliens called the Yuzhan Vaughn. Wow. And they have come to the Star Wars galaxy to conquer the entire thing. We have come to conquer your people. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) They've come to conquer the Star Wars galaxy, and you start to learn a little bit about them. They're very cruel. They're vicious. They take prisoners, and they treat them pretty badly. You think they watch the movies before they try to take it over? Like they popped them in. And go, yeah, so yeah, this looks easy to take over. Total disorder here. Well, I mean, maybe maybe they popped in Star Wars and just saw Tatooine. They're like, oh, this galaxy is going to be easy. Oh, yeah, simple. <laughs> it's just a bunch of people moisture farming, and there's these these little half little like kids running around in robes. Yeah, brats that want to go to Tashi Station so they're doing power. real work. But I want to go to Tachi Station to pick up some power converters. <laughs> So no, Yuzhan Vong, we joke, but they have really bad intentions. And you find out that this guy that's suspicious, his skin peels off, and it's revealed that he's one of them. He's like oh! the advance agent for the Yuzhan Vong. This reminds me of a, one of my favorite, like, it's my favorite Twilight Zone episode. This is from, like, the, the 60s. And they, some alien thing crashes in, like, a remote part of the town there's a diner and two cops go in and there's a bunch of people that came in on a bus but there's one more person than was on the bus yeah so he has to figure out which one it is and then at the end the bartender reveals he's another martian that came down first as a scout just like this guy yeah so spoiler alert for that twilight Zone episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah then within the next 12 hours the three of the people from this extragalactic research station go off to this moon to try and see what it is. And after they leave, the rest of them turn up dead. Okay. And this, the one remaining guy, the Yuzhan Vong advance agent, gets on his communication device to the other Yuzhan Vong and said, hey, there's these people come and deal with them. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to stop. If you want to read this book, I would highly recommend it. If you just want to find out what happens, check out the extended version of my review that will be put up on Wednesday. I'll go through the entire book. I will give a spoiler before I do. I'll explain in depth what happens to the characters, the plot, uh, and how the book resolves itself. So look out for that on Wednesday if you are interested in Vector Prime. Cool, cool. All right. Now... It is time for Star Wars Fight Club. And we have a little bit of a new format. Instead of me just choosing characters, we have slips of paper that we are going to pick from. So Matt's going to pick his character now. Maul. I assume that's Darth Maul. Yes, that's Darth Maul. Now I'm going to pick my character. Please hold the jar, Matt. He's cheating. He's looking at it. No, I'm not looking. I'm intentionally looking the other way. That's true. 
Jack Parkins. Yes! <laughs> okay. It's over. Well, I will try... Well, no, we still have to pick weapons. Okay. Yeah. That's, there's The reason is because... The reason I have the weapons is because something like that might happen. And, uh, you know, if it does... Spears! <laughs> well, <laughs> let's hope I get something better. You can mix them up. Okay. Force Pike. <laughs> so, pretty even. Yeah, pretty even. Matt, I'll let you start. Let's get ready to rumble! In this corner, we have Darth Maul, evil bad guy, kills Qui-Gon Jinn with his non-specialty spears. In the other corner, we have Jed Parkins. <laughs> Jed Parkins. What's the name? Jack Parkins. Okay, Jack. Okay. In the other corner, we have Jack Parkins, who gets blown up in episode four rather quickly. He is yielding force. Pike. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Jack Porkins. He can fly a ship really well. Okay. So can my guy. He's called Darth Maul. Remember in, in episode one, he was speeding along the little the desert area? That is true. Yes. Anything else? Jack Porkins. He has a helmet, so if you hit him in the head, he's protected. That's actually a good idea, cause but but I have spears, so I'm not going to be using a baseball bat type thing. It's I'm going jabbing. Well, yeah, but but let's say you know you come up from Jack Porkin from behind and you just throw it at him. If it hits his head, he's protected. That's true. So good point. Jack Porkins also has a force pike in contrast to a spear. Okay. If you hit Jack Porkins with a spear, he'll hurt. He'll probably fall down. And he's not going to be happy, but if Jack Porkin so much as touches Sith Lord Maul with the Force Pike, Maul will be on the ground weeping. He might be weeping, but after he gets done crying, he's going to stand up and say, Listen, Jack Porkins, you're done for. <laughs> See, we would do it in a Darth Maul voice, but since he only says one line, we don't have much to go on. Yeah. You're done for. So Maul might even try to befriend Porkins. He go, I feel sympathy to you. You are, you are basically a patsy. You're a patsy. You go in and you, you're not expected to do much. Just hold off people for the big guns, Luke Skywalker, to come through. And then, as they are about to go out, maybe to get a drink at the cantina, right behind, right through the heart, spirit of the heart, Darth Maul. See, you had me up until them becoming friends, because this is, okay, I'm doing a, a little thing here. There's this weird 8-bit Atari video game called Panda Baba and Jack Porkins in a Haunted House Candy Hunt. But if you haven't seen this game, you gotta check it out. It is awesome. It is weird. It's so strange. It's these two with 8-bit Atari voices. It's awesome. In relation to the fight, Porkins does have really strong befriending abilities because yeah. he befriends Pondavaba. Sure. Exactly. So maybe, maybe like, after they get a drink, once Darth Maul's had, like, a Corellian ale, he's like, wait, what am I doing? This guy's, this guy's really... Darth Maul's my fighter, by the way. You can back up. I have my strategy. 
Because you know you won't even see it coming. Okay, you know. Okay, here's my strategy. Mm. Porkins. Yeah. He's big. He yeah. can handle his liquor. Okay. If Porkins takes two shots. Yeah. Probably not gonna be that drunk. If Darth Maul, who can't drink because of Sith tradition, has two shots. He's going to be stumbling all around. So and you're telling me my guy is going to abandon his plan to kill your guy and get confused in this friendship. You're telling me Darth Maul is going to be seduced in by Porkins? He was seduced by the dark side of the forest. Why couldn't he be seduced by big old Porkins? I declare the victor Jack Porkins. And I declare the victor Darth Maul. So we'll be back. We hope you're enjoying this podcast, and now we bring you a message from Pain Face Productions. If you like what you're hearing here on Millennium Talking, and you want to experience more, be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Productions for lots of cool posts about Star Wars. Today we have a very, very special guest, all the way from Dagobah, Master Yoda. Mm. Hello, everybody. Mm. So, Master Yoda and I will discuss a couple of things from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Indeed we will. <laughs> How are you doing, Yoda? Good, I am tired, though. Oh, a sure. long time it has been since I have rested. When over 900 years old are you? Tired, you will be as well. That's so classic, Yoda. Mm. Great. So let's just jump right in. Indeed. We're going to talk a little bit about books. I know you enjoy a good read. Wrong, that is. Wrong? Kidding you, I am. Oh, Yoda. I love this guy. So, speaking of books, how about Stephen King? You heard of him? Indeed. Oh, yes. Great horror author. So this article Creepy books he writes. <laughs> yes. Gotta love my favorite book, Misery. This article is called 21st Century King. Author sticks to violence, not horror, in Finders, which is his new book. What do you think of Stephen King sticking to more violence instead of horror? Well, uh, the best way to solve your problems is not by violence, but by non-violent resolution. Well, sure, but this is fiction. Well, true that is. Thanks, Yoda, for that insight on Stephen King's new book, Finders. Now we will move into sports. <laughs> now we're going to talk about the Triple Crown, which consists of the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and the Belmont Stakes. American Pharaoh has won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness, and today he went in for the Belmont. How do you think he did? I think we need it. <laughs> that is correct. American Pharaoh, the first horse in 30-odd years to complete the Triple Crown. Wow. Congratulations to him, I give. Mm. Now, what did you think of American Pharaoh before all these races started? Well, bet on him heavily, I did. Oh, God, I am that he is one. Yes. Did you ever get to talk to him? Yes, indeed. Well, how was that conversation? Funny. Oh, you say he's a, he's a comic. Oh, 
Good job she has. <laughs> well, I'm glad you liked it. Thanks for that insight on the Triple Crown winner, American Pharaoh. We will finish talking about a section in Crossroads. Get Arena Deal Done. Now this is referring to the new uh, Milwaukee Stadium that will house the Bucks, and they came out with some early plans a couple of months ago, and they really want to get this thing done. What do you think that would do to the whole environment here to get a new stadium? Support it, I do. Oh, good. Yes, it I do. It would bring happiness to the local economy and keep the Bucks here in Milwaukee. It would. <laughs> I agree. Now. The Bucks are going through a sort of a retooling. They just got new uniforms, uniforms, a new coach. What do you think their chances are of winning the NBA title if we get this new arena? 100%, I believe. You heard it here first, folks. Master Yoda believes if we get this new arena, the Bucks will win the NBA title. If, if I, if wrong I am, tell me you will not be able to, because I will be gone. <laughs> Very true. Yoda with some words of wisdom. Thanks for dropping by, Yoda. You're welcome. Back to my heart, I must go. <sighs> I hope the flight's not too bad back to Dagobah. Mm. Sad it will be to be alone once again. And with those last inspiring words from Master Yoda, we bid him adieu and thank him very much for showing up. And that was News Reaction with Yoda. So, we're coming up to the end of the show here. Yes. And that means it is time for... Species of the Week. Indeed. This week's species is the Ithorian. Ooh. Also known as the Hammerhead. Oh. We first see the Ithorian in the Moss Eisley Cantina in Episode 4. Oh, yeah. The Ithorian we see is named Moma Nadon. All Ithorians are from the planet Ithor. The planet Ithor was a massive jungle planet, oh. and the Ithorians dedicated their lives to preserving the jungle and their world. Environmentalists. Yes, very. If they had global warming even like one degree, they would change their entire lifestyle to combat this. That's interesting. Yeah. So, another interesting fact about the Ithorians is that they were very... Isolationist. Oh, okay. They wouldn't leave their home world without very due cause. The reason we saw Moma Nadon on in the cantina is because the Empire was after some of the environmental techniques and they were trying to take advantage of the world. Mm. And they said the Empire said, Hey, if you give us your secrets, your trade secrets on how you keep things the way they are, we'll leave you alone. And Moma Nadon was kind of the one who, who gave it up, and so he was banished. Oh. So, the Ithorians, that's really all there is to know. But if you ever ever wondered what the Hammerhead was, that's an Ithorian. Thanks, Josh. That was great. Thank you. And now for the final part of the show, Star Wars Trivia. Again, we will be using the authenticated Star Wars Trivia Pursuit cards. Indeed. I will begin by asking Josh his three questions. Before that, I'm going to recap the scores. Okay. It is Matt 3, Josh 2. Oh, yeah, people. Oh, yeah. 
So, now Matt's going to ask me my three questions. Here we go. What pig-like beings operate the control boards in the Cloud City's carbon freezing chamber? Ugnaughts. Correct. Who was the first to spot Count Dooku on his speeder preparing to escape Genosis? Anakin? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Who jostles Jar Jar during the first few minutes aboard the Naboo's Royal Starship? Who jostles Jar Jar? Yeah. I had a... Oh, R2-D2. Correct. What becomes Owen Lars' property once he says, What about that blue one? We'll take that one. Uh, R2-D2. Correct. What building is Anakin standing outside when Padme tells him she is pregnant? City Hall. <laughs> I'm sorry, it was the Galactic Senate Chamber. That's kind of similar to City Hall. <laughs> if you would have said Galactic Hall, I would have given it to you. Well. Uh, and what object does R2-D2 use his gripper arm to try and grab away from Yoda? Oh, okay. Um... This is like walking stick? His staff? No, wait, wait, wait. I've changed my mind. Um, you gotta give me a second here. I take as much time as you need. I know, I, I, I know the scene. I, I can picture it, but... Just okay. tell him where he can find our content while I'm thinking of the same thing. Okay. You can find our content right now on SoundCloud.com under Painface Productions, on Tumblr under the tag Painface Productions, or on Facebook under the like page Painface Productions. Pretty soon we will be on iTunes. It is taking longer than expected, but we are working on it. And we are proud to say that we are able to figure it out. It's just going to take a little time. The iTunes doesn't actually host your podcast. You need to do that yourself. We're in the process of converting one of the computers I own into a server, but it will come to pass. So thank you for your support. Okay, so I know this isn't the right answer, but I can't think of it. Isn't it like a food bar or something that he takes out of his package? I'm sorry. Yeah. It's a flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, dang! The score now is five to five. It's all evened up. Yep. Tune in next week for the tiebreaker. Kind of. Kind of. We still have eight eight weeks to go. That's true. So. Well, we'd like to thank you for listening to Millennium Talking. Yes, thanks a lot for tuning in, not just to this podcast, but uh, Dr. Jones is in and all the other relating things that we have been putting out. Yes. So, this is Josh Cook. And Matt Zen. Saying thank you for listening. If you have any feedback, we would greatly appreciate it in the form of a comment or message on our Facebook page. We appreciate our listeners, and we would love to hear from you and your reaction to the show. That's right. We'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Millennium Talking, and we hope you have a great day or night, depending on when you're listening to this. Thank you, everyone. Painface Productions and Millennium Talkin' are not affiliated with nor endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited or 20th Century Fox. Star Wars and all Star Wars universe places, characters, or other Star Wars related material are the copyright of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders.